It's the middle of March, which means the madness is upon us. Are you ready? As soon as you know who's in and who's out, head to Yahoo Sports to fill out your free bracket for a chance to have America's best bracket. This year, the bracket is worth $1 million. And remember, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the best. Somebody is going to be the closest. Somebody is going to win. It might as well be you. So join the rest of the country for a chance at a million dollars. You're going to be filling one out anyway. Remember, there's no wrong way to fill one out except for not filling one out at all. So sign up for Tourney Pick'em and get started. Go to yahoo.com slash best bracket to get picking. The new Microsoft Surface Pro 6 can help you get things done, whether you're on the field or running a business. Take Brian Arakbo and Michael Griffin, two former NFL teammates who have opened a cupcake shop. With the Surface Pro, they can do everything they need from setting schedules to creating promotions for social media and designing new flavors. Plus, it's light, super fast, and has a great battery life. Brian and Michael are proving you could tackle all your passions with the power and speed of the new Surface Pro 6. Basketball is very good. The Wizards underpaid John Wall. AD should re-sign with the Pelicans. The Nets actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. With me today, Elio Shaughnessy. I'm stressed. Are you? Louisville's playing right now. Are they up? No, they're down. It's mm. halftime. Mighty Gophers. Paolo Getty. What's up? How you guys doing? Stressed. Besides the stress, I guess the the big news <laughs> coming out of today, Jimmer's back. <laughs> yes, I'm, that's what I'm excited for. <laughs> Are you guys excited? A little March Madness advertising. Yeah, seriously, that feels like a ploy, but hey, I'm all for it. We were talking about this right before we came on. Do we think that this is only to capture the magic of March Madness? I mean, I don't know. He's been killing it in China. Yeah? yeah. Have, have you been staying up and watching those Chinese games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I DVR them and just, just turn them on whenever I'm I'm a little bored. No, I mean, why not? Bring them back. Big Dragons it's, fan? It's like a uh, Andrew Bogut situation where his oh. season is finished. Yeah. They're in China and so he can come and play. Right. Um, because otherwise, definitely. why would you come sign with the Suns? Right, exactly. Yeah. I guess it gives him something to watch over the next yeah, three weeks. So. His first game back is uh, in Utah. So there you go. Wow. Mm-hmm. Homecoming. Yeah. I love this. This is what we're all about in the group chat podcast. <laughs> just just warm feelings and homecomings. Um, all right. So two big games last night, which makes it a little easier to talk about here. Um, the first one, Celtic Sixers. The Sixers won the Super Bowl. If you were to go by how Sixers <laughs> fans are, are, are kind of reacting to this. Paolo, you wrote that last night. I thought it was a funny little line. Thank you. I stole. I stole it. So thank you. Thank you go, that. Uh, I, I just I actually think Marcus Morris had a quote that literally said that. Like they were acting like it was a super wrong. He's right. Terry Rozier said he thought confetti was going to fall. Yeah, great line. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Terry can say that he had a good game. Yes, when he has one good game, he's allowed to say whatever. He whatever wants. he wants. Well, right. I, I guess he also provided some motivation for Joel Embiid calling him, I guess, lame in, mm-hmm. in a certain mm-hmm. uh, video clip. I don't know where mm-hmm. it surfaced. It was the Kristen Le- Leahy show. Okay. And I think it was like one word to describe Joel. <laughs> he said lame. Incredible. And then after the win, Joel posted an Instagram and he tagged it lame town. Yeah. He's back. Which is great. Of all of his locations, it's probably um, not even close to the top five and spicy. No. Yeah, follow Joel and beat and follow his dog on Instagram. Slowly getting in, he's slowly warming up for the playoffs. That you know, spicy. The the closer we get to the playoffs, I think spicier he'll get. Yeah, I, I mean, he definitely approached it like a playoff game, and yeah. and the Sixers did as well. Joel ended up playing forty two minutes. 
uh, which you know is a lot for a regular season game toward the end of the season when it seems like the Sixers are very likely to end up in that three seed in the East. Uh, they also went to a nine-man rotation, which was a little surprising. Uh, I, I guess they've done this a little bit of times since the trade for Tobias Harris. They did it against the Bucks the other day, uh, and they did it against the Celtics. I guess when you look at the stakes, it makes sense that they would approach this like that. Not only just the emotional one, but based on this win, uh, and this is from Chris Forsberg, the Celtics are 93.6% uh, likely to go against the Pacers in that first round. So essentially the Sixers avoided the Celtics yeah. in the first round if they stay in that three seed. Yeah. So I guess in that regard, it's a pretty big win. Well, them. we can make fun of like them treating it like the Super Bowl or whatever, but they were they had not beaten the Celtics in a long time, it felt mm-hmm. like. And so yeah, like it was it was something that I'm sure gave them confidence going into the playoffs and and, and just it's nice to sort of beat the team your supposed rival of um and, and like you said, you know, putting the Celtics, you know, locking them basically locking them in into the other seed makes, you know, um Philly now get a probably easier matchup with, with the 60. They don't have to face the Pacers. Yeah. I think there was good and bad in both. It, it, obviously, they needed to win this game if they wanted to avoid the Celtics. Uh, it did seem like they threw everything that they had at them, and it still ended up a one Jimmy Butler mid-range jumper where he was basically falling over in order to kind of seal it there. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about what they have beyond their five-man lineup that they, they've kind of assembled basically with all of the... Uh, all the leftover assets well, from San It should Hanky. also be said before we go further that they didn't have Aaron Baines. The Celtics didn't. Right. And then they spent a good deal of time without Marcus Smart. Right. Yeah. So, which, which speaks to your point, I think, of like them, of the Sixers not taking care of the game, even with it, with those, you know, with Smart and Baines out and sort of where they stand in terms of their depth, with it, which I think is sort of the, the biggest worry. Yeah. I, I mean, with Embiid in particular, uh, I think this is everything you want from Embiid. I think you forget that at times last year during that playoff series, maybe we didn't get the full Embiid experience because he was playing with that face mask. Uh, and so I wonder, well, he's just kind of throwing it on and off. Um, I, I wonder if like this is unleashed Embiid, if if we had this guy in the regular season and in last season, postseason, um, maybe it would have gone a different way. He had 21 free throws, which is a lot for anyone. And so I'm kind of at this I have the beholder moment with a lot of the results from this game and particularly that. Did they win because Embiid is just overwhelming and dominant and if you don't have Baines who went out in I believe the second quarter with an ankle sprain, do you just not have the bodies to throw at him and that's your advantage or are you just relying on whistles? You know what I mean? It's also just a lot of minutes. Like It was a heavily called game. Yeah. I will say that. It was a very heavily called game. Also, I'm not sure... For the for the Sixers, perhaps it's okay. Finally, we can win. Like we can beat them. You know, we're they're shaking this. I'm sure, like kind of spooked them out a little bit because they are clearly the more talented team. Mm-hmm. But for me, and I think for everyone else, it was kind of it showed more dimensions on how the Sixers operate. How deep are they going to pull into rotation at the end of a game when they need a shot? Who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of knew, but it's so surprising to see that Jimmy Butler is the one who's going to hit that shot. He has the most experience. I think he's the one who's going to want to go for it the most. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are aggressive. Joel Embiid takes some shots to a fault. He shouldn't be taking half the threes he's taking. But obviously, Ben Simmons, we don't trust or maybe necessarily want to take any of those final shots if it's a deep shot. But it is still strange to see that Jimmy Butler, who is so clearly the third most talented guy, 
And by the way, like not even the, you know, Tobias Harris is a far better shooter. Take that final shot. He's just like a glorified like closer. Like, and, and it's like, if we look at it in the context of just the season, that's maybe perfectly fine because that way he doesn't get in the way of what, you know, Jimmy, I mean, what Ben and, and Embiid want to do and, and even Tobias to an extent. If you look at it from a larger context of going forward, you're like, well, so like, is he worth sort of keeping around, right? Because he hasn't been like amazing at defense either. And that, you know, the thing about him was like his two-way ability and he hasn't even been that. So I wonder just... I, I guess, like I'm saying, like it maybe it is just okay that he can come at in the fourth quarter and sort of win you a game and, and get you that shot. Which, well, and in I the mean, fourth quarter matters, too, because yeah. like he was, like you were saying this in Slack too, like you forget he's on the team. Yeah. For yeah. for long stretches of times, and then he pulls that out, and it's the thing like it's really nice to have that guy, but that guy will not. Jimmy Butler cannot be that guy, and you're gonna get out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so Jimmy was one for seven in the first half, uh, four points there. And then he, I really didn't notice him a lot earlier in the game, to mm-hmm. Paolo's point. Um, and just in the fourth quarter, they just kept feeding him. It was basically like any shot that he wanted. I think a big part of it was probably because Marcus Smart wasn't out there. I went back and yeah. watched some of those late possessions, and the hunting they did on Kyrie Irving was insane. I don't know why they did this. There was probably some sort of... Uh, they're, I assume, trying to hide Kyrie, but they put him on Tobias most of those late possessions. And so the, the Sixers would just force the switch immediately to put Kyrie on Jimmy, and then Jimmy would just go to work. And in the first possession, it's like, oh, he just darts past them. Kyrie is flat-footed and then yells at Horford for not like covering for him, but clearly it was a Kyrie mistake. And then Jimmy would just pull up, I guess, Clearly, Kyrie is a weak link there. And if you're looking at this from the Sixers optimist kind of point of view, they don't really have too many guys that you can't cover. Like, you can't hide Kyrie on Robert Covington anymore. Like, if if, if Tobias Harris is the guy that, like, you have to, like, hide Kyrie Irving, you're going to get burnt a bunch of times. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're they're two, the two guys on the court who, how can I rephrase that? Probably fourth and fifth on the court are Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick, mm-hmm. which are both terrifyingly accurate outside shooters. Yeah. You, know you, you want to run like, around and chase yeah, J.J. We've, or, yeah, exactly. We've, J.J. could shoot it on one foot backwards <laughs> drunk. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, and we've, we, I feel like I've seen that a million times this season. So from that point when you, I mean, and that's the whole thing. We say it all the time on paper and it's kind of the same thing with the Celtics. On paper, they should be such a more dominant offense. I think a lot of, my issue with them is their actual offense, like an actual system put in place because I think that it's been catered to their best player strengths, but it is really limiting in today's NBA what Brett Brown is doing and also refuses to do. I think it's funny that we talk about these teams, especially these two in particular, about like we're almost done with the season and it's still like, well, you know, on paper, like they should be this, this or that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's pretty fascinating how expectations haven't met and then again these both of these teams are like top half of their conferences their their records are way above 500 more so than you know the rest of the east for sure so it's not like they're struggling but it is sort of a, a thing where we can see more for them and it's not they're like they're not struggling but it's it. like why aren't you just as good as the bucks are sure. why aren't you? you have joel Embiid, ben simmons okay right. so we're saying the top two on the bucks are Giannis and chris middleton yeah. and then after ben simmons you have jimmy butler and Tobias Harris. Well, and that's the thing. Why it's aren't like, you just as good as the Bucks? Right. And that's, it's all about like system fit, right? Because the Bucks have 
tailored that roster to have every player who plays a specific role, like it fits into this larger like assembly line of a system. Whereas the Sixers have just tried to sort of put something together with talent. And that's directly coaching. Yeah, it's directly coaching. Yeah, and I I guess this game in particular fed into the strengths of a team like the Sixers that is top-heavy, where you have a guy like Jimmy Butler who, while I don't want to rely on him just kind of jacking uh, late in games and, and that's how you're going to win it. He has had some success. He's 40% from three in clutch situations, which was surprising. Now it's a small sample. I don't know how much you can really trust it. I mean, he definitely is one of those guys. It's not like he's Deion Waiters. You yeah, know, he's, but he's, like he's, some he's of the so, shots he was taking were just like dribble up, pull up three. And right. it's just, I, I wonder if this is just a matter of he was on in, in the second half and off in the first. Um, but I guess the problem in that is on the other end, do we really have much faith in like all the defensive kind of woes that the Sixers have uh, throughout the game? It just seemed like, I don't know if they were, I don't know if it was a bad approach, but at the very least there's a lot of miscommunication, especially on switches. I think they were leading to a lot of easy buckets for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have guys like James Ennis is really your sixth guy on this team. Mike Scott is basically your sixth, seven guy in this team. Boban played a little bit. TJ played a little bit, but it really was only a couple guys. And, I don't know. I, I think there there are those situations where a deep team, maybe like the Raptors, are just going to be able to pick off the oh, Winkley yeah. in yeah. pretty much any lineup you could have. Toronto is a terrible matchup, I think, for them. Which, uh, it seems like that would be the 2-3 at this point. I yeah. was just going to say, it's remarkable watching the Raptors, who were at the um, primetime game afterwards, mm-hmm. and it's like, they're like all on a string. You know, one of them moves, all the other ones move into yeah. place on both ends of the floor. And seeing that, just after seeing the Sixers, is like, if they could just get that together. Well, it's, here's the thing. That's not going to happen. Like, it, it's just not going to happen for the Sixers. So this is the way they have to win games, the way they won the other one last night. Sort of grind it out, you know, cope with the fact that they literally cannot defend like any type of point guard. Like Kyrie and Terry were, you know, like shredding them. And they just have to figure out a way to, sort of elevate and be to to what he did last night and then hope that Jimmy comes in and you know this is in has a weird be way like game. as maybe strange as how that game turned out yesterday I almost think that that's their one of their only if not like one of the few recipes they have towards success because they can't at this point of the season still try to strive for some system that will be perfect yeah and a lot of it could just be they're figuring things out still Sure. I think that's a lot of the, the issues on the defensive end, but I think there's always going to be that wink link. I, I, I just don't know like who's going to be out there that uh, a team like the Celtics just can't like kind of go at just pretty much every possession. Now, the, the flip side of that is this game, like many of the Celtics games in the past, it just didn't seem like there was anything other than Kyrie. Like Terry definitely stepped up in certain situations, but uh, obviously they're not going to share the floor a ton, especially like what it exposes on the other end on the yeah. defensive end. Uh, and I am just constantly flummoxed by Jason Tatum. Yeah. Like, it seems like everything is set up for him to be that kind of secondary guy, so when they're overloading on Kyrie, he can kind of just do his thing, but just a lot of, like, passive, like, floating around and then just floating into, like, this mid-range pull-up. I was surprised because I went and looked this up afterward that he, like, is getting better at getting to the rim this season, but if you watch this game in particular, it's just like, what do you do exactly? Because if the shot's not falling, it just seems like he kind of gets his head about it as Haley fist pumps. Oh, sorry, <laughs> well, I don't think that we talk enough about uh, Tatum's regression. Yeah, but I also think it's a mo- it's a unique situation we almost no one never see um, going from rookie to sophomore year, where you were the star mm-hmm. your rookie season that you had to have these possessions, and you were like a 
you know, a, a first, second option um, playing on a young team that had nothing to lose. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, t- you're taking a step back mm-hmm. in terms of responsibility, but you're expected to be the same player. He had a bucket late in the game where he got the ball on the left wing. And instead of pulling up for a shot, which would have been a three, which would have been, okay, fine, or dribbling into a, to a mid-range jumper, he drove in and got the layup on the other side of the rim. And it was a really strong move, a really just a point that the Celtics needed at that point. And it was like one of those situations where you're like, you can do this a lot more often than you're doing it right now. Why are you not doing that? That was the thing that the playoff, you know, during the playoffs last year, Bill, you always used to say, I just want someone to tell him that he can be that player and that he should attack it like that. And it still seems like that's the message he right. hasn't gotten this But season. it's not even about taking over a game. He doesn't even need to do that. He just needs to be that second option. Maybe he just can't be that, right? Maybe that's another, you know, sort of point to all this is how does he fit with Kyrie and how, is, how does he feel about that fit? But the, Reality is Kyrie is a multi-time all-star and Tatum is still, you know, a sophomore. He's so 20. Yeah. Yeah. And He's only 20. We've talked. He's only 20. <laughs> first I've ever heard of that. Oh uh, it does kind of underline. like 36. We're going to be like, he's only 36. <laughs> <laughs> it, it underlines this point that just, it does seem like there's this perfect storm happening with the Celtics because when Tatum wasn't on, you're turning to guys like Marcus Morris, who's had a really good season yeah. for them. But clearly, like I don't know if you can count on him in this situation. He had four points. He was two for nine in this yeah, game. He can't he's be that guy. Off he's fallen all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like off. Al Horford. I guess that that's your other. He was. I think he was the second leading scorer of the night. Yeah. I actually. That's one thing I would want to see more of. It seemed like when they were able to go a little bit bigger when you had Baines and Horford, you could put Baines on Embiid and almost like let that go. But on the other end, you can go to Horford and he can attack Tobias Harris, which I think is actually a really good matchup. And obviously, they played a little bit bigger last year. Um, and I think it's uh, Tobias is a better defender, uh, but I think he's going to, or at least he's a more stout defender, I guess I should say, than some of the guys they could throw out there uh, last year. But uh, I just think like Horford seems to be the key there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's always been the case, especially what, you know, how he, could defend and beat or you know, or not like mm-hmm. not not this game, but you know there's a lot more track record of Horford giving and beat trouble. So yeah, I've, he's probably like second most important player on the team if that series were to come. Yeah, and Embiid went off as we mentioned, but uh, I was looking up the the matchup stats on NBA.com. I don't know how much you could really put stock in them because it does seem like there's a lot of noise to those stats. But in the minutes that Horford played Embiid, Horford held up well. But Embiid really cooked against Baines and then yeah. Daniel Thies, who, uh, Thies? 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 I think it's Thies. Thies? Thies? I don't know. Thies, I'm just Thies, Thies made it tomorrow? But <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Thies. It's Thies. Thies. Yeah, Thank you, Bobby. I'm always surprised when you have a mic because <laughs> you don't really announce it before. Wow, Bobby, your hair looks amazing today. <laughs> it does look really, really good. Really I'm going to keep this in the pod. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Someone on Celtics Twitter said Thies, like nice. Because he's nice. Tice. Yeah. Is yeah. He, uh, there you go. Is he? But Horford only playing 35 yeah. minutes. <laughs> I wonder if in a playoff series, he's going to be playing more of the 40, yeah. especially if you don't have a guy like Baines in there. And be play 42 minutes. Like, I don't think we can stress that enough. That's like unreal. Well, he had an impact not only in the box score, but clearly in the emotional well-being of, of certain Celtics players. Uh, I'm obviously referring to Marcus Smart and the, oh, the two-handed shove heard around the world. Uh, I have to say, like, Paolo brought it up that it was a flop by Embiid. I, I watched it a, a little bit afterward. No, no. 
Okay. <laughs> Finish your point. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. You don't think it was, was a flop. I was just going to say, I didn't specify that it was a flop. I said he, the way he sold it, which was like he sort of sprawled all over the floor like he does. <laughs> yeah. It was very like flop adjacent, if you will. <laughs> flop like. Yes, flop like. Uh, so basically what happens is he gets a bad call going for, I think it was like a, it wasn't a loose ball, but it was like up in the air and he kind of jostled it from Embiid mm-hmm. and Smart got called for it and clearly did not like that. I think he had a case, but uh, it's also not the type of play that should throw you out of the game. I think the next possession or the possession after that, I forgot which, which uh, Smart basically catches an, uh, a stray chicken wing from Joel Embiid <laughs> running down the lane, doesn't like it. And proceeds to two-handed, full-body shove Joel Embiid in the back to the ground. I love it. Let's Which is like, wow, the power, you know? <laughs> I saw this thing on Twitter and I was like, who would win in a fight? Yeah. And at my first thought, I was Terrible like, question. Joel Embiid, what? Like, there's no other answer. But I don't know. Do you think there's any situation which Marcus Smart could beat Joel Embiid in a fight? Smart is crazy. Any, any rules. <laughs> like Obviously no weapons, but any rules, like, it doesn't have to be like boxing or Obviously anything. Obviously no weapons. Thank you for the typical bar fight, but we're not breaking any bottles. Could he beat Joel Embiid? What if they had sticks? Who would win? Dude, Joel Embiid, 100%. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, just like if, if they had the benefits of sticks. If it was more of like a jujitsu, like those whacking sticks. You know what I'm talking about? I don't sure. know why that's where you went, but... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to watch fight scenes with you on YouTube. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't think I think Marcus Smart is the guy I would want to fight the least in the NBA. I think his trigger is like he goes from zero to like start raving mad in a matter of seconds. Yeah, but that's the thing is that sometimes it seems like he's almost too mad. Like you know the old Sir, Serge Ibaka can't land a punch, but <laughs> right. if he did, kill you. Oh, I see. So he would be uh, inaccurate. I said the other day when Taj Gibson got in trouble like he, I don't want to fight him this guy like and it, he's an underrated uh, one because he doesn't often get into like altercations but guys who are that wildly aggressive for abstract things like like for loose balls for example sure. like he's throwing his entire body yeah his entire body just to land on the hardwood just to give the ball to Carl A. Towns who's going to give the ball to Andrew Wiggins who's going to turn it over. Yeah. And a, he continuously does that. Here's a wild take. I, I don't, I don't think him. I want to fight any NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good take. Yeah. There's a there couple I think I could take. Oh, uh, there you go. So, uh, not only what, did you kind of feel Smart's absence, I guess, over the, the, the second half of that game just from the defensive end, but I, it seemed like it, they were kind of off offensively. Oh, it, it flusters a team also. Yeah. After that, I mean, and also I think that that by that point they were definitely fed up with the foul calls. That was kind of like the peak. Yeah. It's just, it seems like the ball has a tendency to stick with the Celtics. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because smart, it has a little bit more of a spacer this year. So you have to kind of guard up on him a little bit more, but he does have a, a, the ability to move the ball and keep things kind of flowing and pinging in a way that I think is really important. Uh, and you saw later in that game, it was a lot of just like, ISO dribble drives to the point where like even Al Horford had one yeah. and I was like what are we doing here yeah um, where's Brad Stevens in all this this is a question I'm wondering oh you know, you know? I'm just, just throwing it out we, there shall we bring out the old spicy take just of this throw, is all Brad Stevens no, no, fault. just throwing that out there like you know hey if Marcus Smart is that important like I don't know how much can you really do with Kyrie Irving though I, he, he kind of he does one thing incredibly well which is score in isolation do you really want to take that away from him no I mean and, and that's you sort of juxtapose that with 
the way the Sixers won the game, it's they let Jimmy do his thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's a point where you'd let Kyrie do his thing if it comes to that in a close game and whatnot. But I, it did feel like after a smart one now, like things just sort of went discombobulated, you know? So I like that's more what I'm talking about, I think. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we won't get this likely in the playoffs uh, if things kind of pan out oh, as yeah. we were, we're expecting. Uh, but, you know, it was fun. Wait, so it it's not possible, right? I mean, unless it's in the conference finals. It's possible. I think a lot Kill of things me would if have this to. Is the conference <laughs> <laughs> Why? Kill be awesome. me because that means the Bucks and the Raptors didn't make it. That, I'm, and you're I'm okay just, with that. And the Celtics and the Sixers are not beating whoever comes out of the West. Look, nobody's beating That's the Warriors. That's not true. That's not true. You think the Bucks or the Raptors can beat the Warriors? That's what I said. I said wow. what I said. Right. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just I would want to see more of this, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get it. Uh, let's move on to the second game, uh, the nightcap of this marquee slate of games in the middle of March. Uh, the Raptors beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 123 to 114. That game went to overtime and probably uh, things kind of drifted apart or kind of fell uh, drifted away from the Raptors late in that game. Uh, but the Thunder did not have Paul George. And so they ended up scoring four points in overtime. Yeah. That many? And they barely they had like him in, in regulation. Yes. He was terrible yeah. up until the final like minute. That's all that matters. Got him back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it, it's really interesting how. You're not, like a casual fan who watches the NBA. That's the only that matters. Four quarters going Hey, I'm just saying the, the result is what matters. And if you are. No, you know, because he could have pushed them over the edge. I mean, they, the Thunder had this comeback that the Raptors should not have let them get. Sure. But then again, like the Raptors are playing without Kyle Lowry. This is your chance. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is it's just like Thunder have been struggling hard lately. And they had a small chance at sort of rescuing this game out of nowhere. And, you know, overtime was just terrible. Like, the should... Raptors turned it on, turned on playoff mode. It literally felt like they turned off playoff mode and just started like swarming, you know, like every perimeter player on the Thunder they had no shot at they, doing anything. They simmed the overtime? Yeah, it literally felt that way. Yeah, so this is the fourth loss in a row for the Thunder. Uh, it drops them all the way to eighth in the Western Conference. Uh, I guess the big thing there is that we thought as recently as like a month ago, that this is the type of team that could push the the Warriors, especially when you like kind of toss in the emotional stakes there with Kevin Durant uh, and just how that would factor into things. Now it kind of seems like they're first round fodder. Uh, I don't know how they get out of this mess if Paul George doesn't really show up here. Because it just seemed like Russell Westbrook is what he is at this point. He had a really good game. He had a but- great game and he deserves a lot of credit for doing last night what the Thunder have been struggling with. Mm-hmm. Which one of their main problems and, you know, Donovan talks a lot about this. He, they even showed a clip of him saying it in the third quarter. They need to have a fast pace. That is the team that they are going to succeed as being. And, you know, it's funny when you look at them, they are and their strongest people are either in their prime or young. Mm-hmm. And yet we have such a window for them, I think, because we've been waiting to see if Russ could prove that he can do this you know, without Kevin Durant for so long that it almost seems like it's it's going to be really bad if they don't get out of the first round this year, even if they do play Golden State, which is like, you're not going to be Golden State in the first round. But last night, he deserves a lot of credit. He was constantly pushing the pace. He was not settling for the, um, you know, highly contested, like, you know, threes he might have before. 
he was driving to the rim and doing so very successfully and making sure that their transition game was strong, which is something that they have been lacking on lately, which is, you know, kind of what they are have been so good at all season. Yeah. So Russ scored 42 points in this one, 11, uh, 11 rebounds, six assists. He was five for 10 from three, which is surprising. 16 for 29 from the floor. And a lot of those shots didn't come till later on either. Yeah. Right. I, I The surprising thing was that without Kyle Lowry out there, they stuck Pascal Siakam on him as his primary defender for most of the game, which I was like, oh, Pascal, big look for this guy. Yeah. Uh, I, and I don't know if that would change in the event that like Lowry would be out there. Um, but he was clearly giving him those three-pointers. Uh, and so I thought it was maybe like a process over results thing that just happened to go that way. I, I think the big thing for the Thunder is something you were kind of uh, circling toward, Haley, is just that the guys that aren't Paul George and aren't Russell Westbrook, I think you really don't have to be afraid of them very much. Right. Like Jeremy Grant is like a good athletic guy who can do some stuff around the rim. Steven Adams, same thing. One of my like just favorite all centers solid. to watch. They're all, yeah. solid. all solid. Terrence yeah, Ferguson, but Schroeder last night proved his worth. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, and has been. I just don't know if you really need to worry about any of them. All no, those guys are yeah. going to score act, off activity. They're not and, taking a game over. And we've been talking about this all season. Like the Thunder don't have shooters. They don't have a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, do, are they really going to scare you in the playoff series? And now if Paul George isn't Paul George, you can kind of just let Russell Westbrook go to work. And that's kind of what happened. And you saw as soon as Paul George was off the floor in overtime, it just, there wasn't enough there to kind of cobble together enough offense. Yeah. I mean, I think you saw how they had a bunch of just like missed corner threes. Like these guys you were talking about, like Terrence Ferguson, like Jeremy Grant, like that's typically on offense. At least when, when Paul George is at his best, their offense is those guys sort of being, you know, side pieces, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that, that can just hit a shot from time to time. Or, or act as, you know, uh, sort of like release valves for when George, you know, gets swarmed like a double team or whatever. But with him out, it sort of completely changes the calculus. But even with him in there, like, I just wonder how many of those shots are going to hit when they need to, right? Like, if if Paul George does not score 40 points, like, what, where, where, you know, what's their ceiling? So, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that the Thunder were better with Melo. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this take on on Twitter. Actually, I saw someone like vehemently like uh, like like castigating someone for this. Like basically putting them down and being like, "No, don't say that. That why are you saying that?" Who, who would we who would shooter, we right? have liked to see? Yeah, who would we have liked to see? Um, okay, th- I mean this actually can't happen because of cap space. But imagine if somehow it was Tobias. Oh yeah, I mean you incredible. Know who who was on yeah. who got traded? Um, he would be perfect. Yeah, instead of to the Sixers, that would be perfect. And so I, well, that's the the take your version of this. Have, it doesn't even have to be someone that's strong. Well, that's what I'm. I, it, I think it that's really what I'm getting doesn't, at, and especially because of their defense too. Exactly, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a Tobias. Like that's the dream. I think the the kind of uh, the the fatal flaw of the past two years of this team has actually been that they didn't nail the Patrick Patterson signing because he's actually the stretch four that I think everyone was expecting Melo to be. Yeah, and he is just like unplayable. Yeah, he's just he's injured. I was just gonna point that out. Like it's guy having guys like that sort of not even be on the floor. Like that's telling. And they've they've essentially tried again. They've kind of rolled the dice dice with Marquis Morris, who has every opportunity to play. But he's just not the same guy. I think, like, at the very least, Grant is going to give you the activity and the defensive uh, capabilities. And so it's that spot in particular that they just like they just don't have that one guy. And I think it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, 
And so I, I, I just wonder like how far this team can even get to. Like, do we even if it's the Denver Nuggets, Paolo, who you yeah. your mortal enemies? Sure. I think it completely depends on the matchup. I think Dun- yeah. Denver Nuggets is actually a good situation for them. I agree. I, I I would just say like it's kind of a bummer because for most of the second half or the for most of the season, I was feeling like the Thunder were playing and looked like the team that could give the Warriors. Not enough trouble to beat them, but some trouble to make it interesting. And now it, they've just completely, they completely have unraveled in a way that makes me have like zero trust in them. And maybe they will come back because they're, you know, they're 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 still very talented, just up top, you know. And so, I don't know. I I agree with Haley in that it does depend on the matchup. I, but being the eight seed is just the, you know, you're gone. Like it, it's it, a disaster. The only fun part about that is that you're giving the Warriors a tough opening series and then they're going to have to go through quite the gauntlet for the to the finals yeah and I guess like the silver linings here is that the the bottom of the west is still really congested the, fa- the fact that they fell so far is a product of the fact that everything everyone's kind of mm-hmm. uh, in the same ballpark uh, they are two and a half games I believe back from fourth and we have let's see here we have 10 games to go for them so actually that is kind of a lot of ground considering how few games they have uh, and and like just kind of the injuries that they've had, and it seems like Paul George just still isn't right. Um, yeah. So so I do wonder. One thing I was thinking about as this was going on, and Russ was kind of picking up his numbers. Uh, do we think Russ is going to make All NBA? Yeah. So yeah, I, I looked at I was looking at the list a little bit here. Uh, so I think the locks right now are Harden, Steph, Kyrie, mm-hmm. and Lillard. Can we all agree that those four are probably in your first team and second team? Uh. Who would yeah. you quibble with? I, th- I think Kyrie's the worst out of the, that bunch. I think Lillard has been b- much better. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kyrie will probably make it on there as a second team. So yeah, it's not a hard quibble. But. Statistically, I think Kyrie has yeah. the case. I do wonder if people will knock him for just whatever, like, you know, just meditations he's doing in his <laughs> sure. game press conference. Uh, the other possibilities kind of out there. Russ, uh, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, Ben Simmons. I would do you like think to people give Drew are over the spot. The Jimmy Butler, you know, like the whole, like he didn't make an all-star team. I don't think he's played well enough to make it though, like on that team. Right. Yeah, that's but you the don't thing. think he has to do anything with No. I, I think you could totally image. I mean, if you want to go that way, sure. But I just I, I don't I just don't think he's been that good. As good as he, we thought he was, you know, like as an all NBA player for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at his numbers right now. They're they're similar to last season. Uh, his, his scoring is down, especially since joining the Sixers. Uh, efficiency about the same. His three point shooting has been pretty bad. Uh, I, I don't think he'll end up getting it for the reasons that you're bringing up there. I do wonder if people will try to to jam Simmons in there as kind of uh, like a congrats, my guy, for for winning sure. all these games. Because if you're looking at it just from record, uh, I I do wonder if you have to start looking at Russ in the same way you look at Bradley Beal. And kind of just guy who has really good stats, but maybe like the results aren't there. I mean, but they're a playoff team. Whereas the Wizards are out of the playoffs right now. I think Russ makes it for sure. He is averaging a triple double. Like he's averaging a triple double. And like as much as we want to sort of quibble with, you know, everything that goes into that, it's still a ridiculous number. Um, I, I do think I, I part of me hopes that there's some justice in the world and drew holiday gets some love here but i just i don't i don't i don't know if that's likely i think beal has been awesome but at, you know team is not in the playoffs should that count for something like 
what do you guys think? Like, I feel like that differs on when it comes to just, uh, you know, person to person. Like, I don't know how much it matters for me, to be honest, that they're, that the team is not in the playoffs or is, you know? Well, I think games played will come into, uh, like, be sure. a factor here. Yeah. Ross has played 63, but you assume that he's going to finish out the rest. So he'll probably end up at, like, 73. If he gets mm-hmm. in the 70s, I think that's probably enough to overlook some of the flaws, including, like, one of the worst shooting seasons in history. That's true. Uh, Drew is at 67, and I don't see him coming back for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, whatever injury, I think he had, like, some minor contusion or sprain or whatever they kind of come up with toward the end of these sort of seasons. Sure. Uh, it was, like, 7 to 10 days but like it's also the sort of thing it's called like, a tanking sprain <laughs> right i believe that's the the medical definition yeah. of it uh so i wonder if he's uh he's gonna do that um i think kemba walker and beal are really interesting cases for that last buy for assuming russ is gonna get in yeah both on bad teams walker's team might make the playoffs but it's looking like not and beal's team definitely won't make the playoffs but how much can you hold that against them considering his roster and like how bad things were when John Wall was in? It looks like everyone on the last two All-NBA teams from first to third was not a playoff team. I'm looking it up now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, this, so there's some precedent for a non-playoff guy getting in. Well, I think so. Yeah, even without looking at this, I would say that there definitely is. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't it's, know. It's interesting. I mean, Brian Windhorst had something on ESPN the other day uh, just looking at kind of the the contract implications of some of these things. Like a guy like Beal, if you don't make All-NBA, then like the Supermax isn't on the table. And yeah. that obviously cascades down to like the, the Wizards tax problems and like what you do with Beal. Do you trade him? Do you build around him? Can you do that with Wall's contract? Uh, and then Kemba Walker, who like the Hornets need every advantage to keep him because they look terrible. Yeah. And he should want to leave at all costs. Please, Please leave. Please leave. Sorry, Hornets fans. <laughs> Please go somewhere. That, don't they want this for him? You know, after someone gives you their all for so long, and then I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of an interesting sort of, uh, I I guess like feeling to expect a franchise or a fan to have to be like, hey, you know what? Like, we sucked. Even with you here, but you're great. So go off and flourish. Like, I don't know. It's- Make. I'm gonna tell you this. Make a list. Of all of his greatest teammates. Look, I'm no, we've I'm not. Talked ta- about I'm not this. telling you this. I'm telling anyone oh, who is okay. a Hornets fan who is listening. Sure. And then read it over and over again, <laughs> and really sit and think about the happiness of other people and not just yourself. Whoa. Leave Kemba Walker, please. It's got deep. Do not do the Anthony <laughs> Davis. Look what happened to him. Yes. He requested a trade because oh, well, I mean, okay. They did actually end up trying to surround him with someone else Mm -hmm. finally, but that was DeMarcus Cousins and it didn't work. Are you saying Cody Zeller isn't enough? (laughs) Come on. Frank Kaminsky (laughs) killing it lately. All right, let's take a quick break uh, and then I want to get into some playoff watchability rankings. Let's go. It's the middle of March, which means the madness is almost upon us. Are you ready? As soon as you know who's in and who's out, head to Yahoo Sports to fill out your free bracket for a chance to have America's best bracket. This year, the bracket is worth $1 million. And remember, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the best. Somebody is going to be closest. Somebody is going to win. It might as well be you. So join the rest of the country for a chance at a $1 million. You're going to be filling one out anyway. Remember, there's no wrong way to fill out except for not filling one out at all. So sign up for Tourney Pick'em and get started. Go to yahoo.com slash best bracket to get picking. Guys, if you're ready for a new way to date online, listen up. Ship SHIP is awesome. 
In addition to searching for someone special on your own, you can recruit your inner relationship or married friends to join your crew and help you date. That's right. Ship is the new dating app that lets your friends set you up. Here's how it works. If you're single, you sign up and you invite your friends to join your crew. If you're not single, you just sign up and invite a single friend that you want to find matches for. Then you start looking for your matches, either for yourself or your friend. The best part is there's a group chat so you and your friends can look at people's profiles together and strategize on what your opening line is going to be. Dating is more fun if you do it with friends. Download Ship for free at getshipped.com slash MBA and start today. That's getshipped.com slash MBA. We're back. It's everybody's favorite segment. We're doing some watchability rankings. Uh, so we did this earlier in the season. We kind of talked about what makes a team watchable. I think the criteria is just slightly different for a playoff team. Uh, I think there's some things to factor in there. Uh, well, I'll ask you guys first. What Are you looking for anything different in a playoff th- team than you would a regular season team? Well, yeah, the regular season teams, the watchability was, this is a young guy succeeding. I haven't seen succeed before. Right. You know, I, those are typically the teams that I like to that I gravitate towards and watch a lot of. Uh, but with that being said, if they can't, if I know that they can't survive, then no, I don't want to see them in the I playoffs. I think the transition that happens is you go from novelties to sure things. Whereas like in the regular season, you want That's n- good. newness. You like that? <laughs> Pinky's up. You want, you want the newness um, of like discovery, if you will. Whereas like in the playoffs, you're like, okay, I know that if I tune in to watch, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess this year has been Paul George. Like I'm, I'm going to get an exciting. I'm, I'm likely to get an exciting performance, or, or I'm, I'm likely to get you know Kawhi going both ways, like 100, percent or I guess Giannis in this case too as well. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the things that I normally wouldn't look for in a regular season game is also coaching. Like the tactical sure. chess match is a little bit more interesting. Maybe not in the first round, but later in the playoffs. But I mean, there gets to the point where it's just like Brad Stevens. How are you going to guard Giannis? For right. instance, that was that was last year, and uh, you get to see how it like evolves game to game. So if you're watching one in- series in particular, uh, it gets pretty interesting that way. So yeah. uh, that's one thing at there. But I, I think it, for the most part, it's the same. I still want to see pace. You still want to see the scores going up. You still want to see three pointers for sure. Um, but the big star performances and and just kind of knowing that you'll get like a good game is probably. It, and pretty much anything that isn't on NBA TV is also agreed. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna draft some some of the teams here. Uh, I would say for the most part, the sixteen playoff teams are pretty much set. Uh, the Heat are the only one kind of teetering on the edge here, but they already have a one and a half game lead on the Magic. And as we mentioned before, the, the Hornets are pretty much dead in the water at this point. Tough De- look for Orlando. Dead in the hive. Dead in the hive. Yeah. Dead in the hive. That's good. <laughs> I don't even think it makes sense. Um, so <laughs> we're we're gonna go around the table here. Uh, Haley, since Louisville is is cratering before our eyes, uh, we're gonna give you the first pick. Who's like the most washable team in the first round of playoffs? I don't know. Now we're only down fourteen. Whoa, only yeah, fourteen. Just hit a three. Um, but there's still lots on my watchability rankings. Uh, <laughs> my first team is Toronto. Okay, taking Toronto with the first pick. I think that they have what it takes to go far. They have the talent that will make it interesting. And then they also have uh, the new exciting player that I think is going to really make like an official name for himself, which is Pascal, this playoffs. Mm. So they ha- they have it all. I love watching Pascal. I was watching a little bit of him last night. He, he obviously does a had- really, really, really good quiet impersonation. And yeah. it's very interesting. And I think that 
uh, he might be the best story to come out of this season even more than Kawhi. Yeah, it's a little disappointing that he's already kind of blown up because he's not the type of guy who could just all of a sudden catch he, everybody. I don't think he necessarily has because like, you know, we, when you talk to people outside of the obsessed NBA circles, they aren't super familiar with his name. That's a good point. And especially with what he's doing now. Do they only know him as P-Skills? <laughs> I believe his name, his nickname is, um, it's like, it, it's like, his whole who thing is, is like spicy or whatever. Like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his, uh, hold on. His name is Spicier? It's like Spicy P, you know? Spicy P. I thought something like that. That's I'm, well, I, I know I'm getting it right. I'd rather be wrong, spicy. But Mark Jones last night kept calling him P Skills in in like the post game walk off interview, and that's I'm like, his Instagram handle. That's why I I didn't realize it at the time, but I guess that's his social media. It's his Twitter too. Yeah. It's still a little bit much. Like P Skills, I wouldn't call go up to you guys and be like, "What's up, H Money?" Please, <laughs> please start doing that. Please. Hello, Halio something. Just to start go. referring H-Money's to you, but. Uh, I wonder if anyone has taken that on Twitter. Yeah. But I love the fact that Pascal, like, you know how we always talk about, like, big guys being able to shoot over the top of people? He can, like, finish over the top of pretty much everybody. And he does everything on, like, kind of dribble drives. And so he's, like, this giant Russell Westbrook. Right. But, like, smiley instead of, like, wanting to murder you. And it's like, how do you still have the energy? (laughs) You were just, you know, berating someone on the other end of the floor. Yeah. Yeah. He's extremely high energy. Watching him get to the rim, rim, rim is fun. Watching mm-hmm. him get to the rim is fun. Watching him stop other guys from getting to the rim is fun. He's like, he actually, yeah, he's probably the main reason for me why the Raptors are at the top. Okay. All right. Paolo, uh, with the number two pick. I'm going to go with the Nets. Okay. I can see this. Yeah. That's that's you know, a good one. I, I just think that it, it it's sort of a continuation of the regular season. Just watching them, it, you know, flourish in it in the way they play is just so fun because they play fast and they play, you know, with a guard who, with multiple guards, Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell, who have that sort of, uh, you know, aesthetic appeal of of being a a knockdown shooter and whatnot. And 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 also Karis LeVert coming back and, and being like a really, really strong option. So you got Jared Allen, you know, blocking people at the rim. I think it's a Jared nice Allen's collection. Yeah, nice collection of players. Yeah, they have a lot of those like junkyard dog types, including yeah. Damari Carroll, who sure. I believe his nickname is junkyard dog but also like Ronda House Jefferson these guys that are just like big wings that just like kind of throw their bodies around and we can't forget about Kuroks Kuroks your guy yeah, there Kuroks. you go Kuroks <laughs> uh, do you no, think no but actually like we shouldn't forget yeah, about no, Kuroks good. <laughs> our guy Rodney do you, did you pick uh, did you pick the Nets specifically because they're most likely going to get matched up with the Raptors in the first round and you hate I Hill. didn't I didn't even think about that but oh. But I also think that that could be fun. That could be, that, it's a nice uh, contrast in styles for sure. Yeah. All right. I have the number three pick. I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets because I like excellence. That's you know? good. No, I just think that uh, James Harden probably will score 50 a game, especially if Chris Paul is going to be— Are you a UConn fan? Yeah. Didn't you say you like excellence? Excellence? <laughs> yeah, I like excellence. That's, uh, that was a burn, Justin. Uh, yeah, I know. They won four national titles. Right, I'm just really bitter right now. How many, how many national titles did Louisville win? Wait, do they have do they have no, any no. that count? <laughs> we said two that were not taken away by the NCAA hmm. unfairly. Yes. And I was there for yes. the third one. And let me tell you, yes. it fucking happened. Yeah, well, <laughs> UConn had two before uh, two thousand five. So, uh, welcome to uh, one shining podcast. <laughs> it's weird that people still talk about Kemba Walker. I didn't realize it was such a big deal for because for me personally, it's like. It's like one of the best moments of my life. But uh, <laughs> like everyone's like, yeah, who's the next Kemba in the NCAA tournament? I was like, right. All right. 
All right, guys. Respect. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> um, but the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And I watch the No. Uh, I guess if we're going to make a uh, forced transition, kind of like the Kemba Walker of the NCAA tournament, James Harden is. Sure. Uh, probably going to score a bunch of points. There's also like that shred of doubt where he might just run out of gas at any moment. Yeah. So he's kind of always teetering on that edge. And while I think they've kind of shored up their rotation a little bit, Daniel House is like incredible. I'm sorry for throwing like unintentional shade at him last week where I was like, <laughs> I don't really know what Daniel House is, is doing, <laughs> but he like quite possibly might be like one of their best wing options now. Yeah. He, he just keeps drilling shots. But there's always the possibility that, you know, injury or just foul trouble and all of a sudden that they're a little bit thin. The defense is always kind of back and forth. So I think that's going to make the games interesting while still having these big performances and I think they're going to go far. Over 27, also a possibility. <laughs> always a possibility. Exactly. Alright, with the, uh, let's go to the second round now. Taking Haley. the Bucks. Taking the Bucks. Yes, I'm nice. taking the Bucks because I last year, Giannis what, last year was not a great playoff debut for Giannis. This year will be better He's finally surrounded by what he needs. They figured out how to how to put a, a team around him. And they have Budenholzer. So that also helps in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried about the injuries starting to yeah. stack up. So Brogdon, Brogdon is out. should be back. Well, this is the whole playoffs though, right? So Brogdon should be back yeah. in the second round. So he, what was his initial diagnosis? Six, six to eight. eight. And it's like a plantar fascia sort of tear? Uh-huh. Minor plantar fascia tear. Oh, so my, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well... trying to get the facts right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, that worries me. Yeah. Anything with the fascia, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch out. <laughs> no, but seriously, it, it does sound a little more serious than... than Certainly. Miritich, who I believe just broke his thumb. I also think it's making me realize how important that it also is. also sounds serious. Broken thumb? Yeah. Especially well, if you're a shooter. I don't know which hand it was in. I think it was his right hand. Still got to use both hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. No, but like you could definitely see in the few games that they had without Brogdon already, like they, they could definitely use an extra yeah. ball handler and a shooter because while they have all these guys who are really intriguing, there really isn't a guy you can count on. Like Pat Connaughton is, is kind of like the next guy up and he's shooting like 30%. And we'll probably should be playing baseball he's right back now. <laughs> yeah, he's back on you know? uh, Sterling Brown has been injured. Yeah. Dante DiVincenzo has like one game every like three months. You're like, oh, I could kind of see it. Sure. But then just kind of drifts off. Tim Frazier the... back though. What's that? Tim Frazier back. Tim Frazier is back. They gave up uh, Christian Wood, who the Pelicans immediately picked up, which I think is like Incredible. a really good sign of like how much like actual tangible value Tim brings yeah. at this point. But he is insurance. So I, I wonder how much he's going to get thrown into the fray there. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm a little bit worried because this is a team that kind of thrives on being this collective like monster. Certainly. And now you're way over over reliant on Giannis and in particular, Brooke Lopez, who, as we've seen, has gotten kind of cooked if you were able to kind of draw him out into the yeah. perimeter jails and all this stuff. So those are the bucks, guys. My turn. What's the score, Haley? They can't break 10. Mm. That's like, always the big hurdle. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta break the double, double digits. digits. <laughs> I wish Paul was a was a coach, <laughs> just to hear your motivational yeah. speeches. <laughs> All right, Paul, who are you going with? I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. Actually, as my second pick, which you you might think, oh, why? Like they're a little boring, or oh, or why? Whatnot. They've only got. Five all stars. Yeah, I mean, the greatest scorer in history, the greatest shooter in history. It's Clay not Thompson. even about that. It's more about how. Like I'm very, very curious to see them turn off play, turn on playoff mode. 
Like, what is that actually like? What can it mm. look like with Boogie in there and now Bogut back and KD and, and Steph and all of them? Like, I'm just wondering, like, whether what we've been talking about for most of the season about their dysfunction and, and, and whatnot, like, if that actually matters a single bit or if it's just going to be here, we're going to crush everybody. Like, that, you know, I think that's interesting. There are legitimate stakes for their first couple games in a way that there haven't been in years past where we just sure. anticipated them mowing down the competition. Uh, I think having to bring Andrew Bogut over from Australia is usually a bad sign. We thought he was pretty much washed, but all of a sudden it looks like DeMarcus Cousins, just like, I don't know what you're getting from him anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, The injury, it doesn't look like he's fully recovered on the offensive end. He played really well against the Rockets where they kind of had to play through him, but like, how often are you going to play through DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah. If you push him to the bench, is he going to be mad? Like, there's a lot going on with this team that probably shouldn't. Be yeah. happening right Bogut now is a more natural fit. I think they were talking yeah. about you know him being like him already knowing you know some of the plays they run and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, and then from from the years he did spend there. So I'm sure it's a great backup option in that sense. Or maybe he takes up you know a lot of Boogie's minutes if Boogie can't sort of like fit in their scheme during the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, look at what they've done since they moved on from Bogut. They've kind of just been recreating yeah. that with these kind of. Uh, young draft picks or guys they they kind of find mm-hmm. Phil McGee for instance basically just rim runners guys who can protect the rim yeah and they really haven't found that guy since Bogut left uh, I don't know there, there's a lot going on with that team and I think like if the Thunder end up in this eighth seed I think that's the most interesting series on the board as yeah I mean, exactly talking about exactly uh, so I'm going to actually go the opposite way. I'm going to go to the depths of the Western Conference. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. Nice. This is the nobody believes in us team. Of the playoffs, which I think is like the most fun. I guess they're the equivalent of the Nets on the Western sure. Conference yeah. side. Uh, it's all upside here. They're all young guys. Uh, I mean, I want to see what Shea does. Like basically we were yeah. saying in just the regular watchability rankings. Zubach, I mean, they also have these kind of veteran guys that they can rely on. Yeah. Galneri. It's a nice uh, mix. Lou Williams. I don't know if you've heard of him, Paolo. Yeah. Uh, Haley, are you preoccupied or, or can we no, turn to no. you for, the, for this I've, pick? I'm ready. I'm <laughs> professional. Uh, I have another nobody believes in us team except for the only people who think that nobody believes in them is them and it's the Blazers. Yeah. I want sure. the Blazers to finally do something. This could be the year they finally do something. They're currently is fourth. <laughs> yes. They're currently fourth. That has them against the Jazz who are actually okay. a, a tough opponent. That will be tough. Yeah. But I think that they can make it out. I want them to have some kind of fuel and fury from A, like Damian Lillard is always the person who thinks he's doubted. B, they've gotten knocked out of the first round twice in a row. Very different ways. The first time it was the Warriors and it was a sweep and it was like, well, it's the Warriors and maybe you guys should break it up. Because you're never going to beat the Warriors. This team will never beat the Warriors. The second year, it was a sweep, and it was the Pelicans. And it was like, well, okay, so we can't compete with the Warriors, and you can't compete with the Pelicans, who then went on to get embarrassed in the next round. Mm -hmm. I want the Blazers to do something. Because if not, it's going to be another year of break it up. This isn't working. Except for now, like the Blazers have kind of waited it out long enough that I'm not really sure that they should. Um. Commit to the Yusuf, bit, is what you're saying. Yusuf is, looks great. Uh, a lot of their pieces that were young guys that we were seeing if they were going to turn out to be something are looking like they're turning out to be helpful players. Mm-hmm. And 
if your strategy is to wait out the Warriors, it looks like that's coming like this summer or next. Yeah. From a watchability standpoint, it's a great pick. From because, a watch, and from a watchability Lillard standpoint, right. They're, so they're an exciting watch. team. Yeah. I just well, want to see them do something. I guess the curveball here is what are we going to get from CJ McCollum? Right. And now I think it's interesting, especially in the first round, where if they don't have him and it's just Lillard, do you get like peak Lillard at that point? And then whatever result happens, the debate over Lillard McCollum yeah. is only going to be amplified. Right. You're not going to get away from that. If anything, they've set themselves up unintentionally to just like be right back here in the same debate like two months from now. It doesn't sound like McCollum's going to like miss playoff time, but that would be fascinating if he saw sort of like how the team would work with just Lillard there in a playoff setting. And if he's even hurt, if he's a little bit diminished, people are going to get on him and be like, sure. why are you playing him? Yeah, yeah. Just let Lillard cook. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good one. Oh, my turn, right? Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. Uh, just literally everything we talked about and, you know, we debated and what fascinates me about them uh, in the first section of, of the pod, like it just how they're fitting together, watching him be just basically go crazy you know every night and, and sort of watching the fit and in, in the system and how Brett Brown you know tries to sort of produce a a, a competent not a competent team but a winning team you know mm-hmm. and, and and then again like Jimmy in the fourth quarter like that's that's fun in its own way so I just think there's a lot of different you know compelling pieces there for yeah. sure I'll go with the Nuggets uh, here <laughs> oh what a grumble <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Just continue. <laughs> at this point, their teams are kind of similar. Uh, yeah. But I think if we're looking at stakes is kind of one of the biggest things that we're looking for here. It does seem like the Nuggets have to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, they're positioned to go up against the Clippers. I think that they would make it past there. Just I think they've had some success against the Nuggets this season, uh, especially in Denver. Uh, I think it would get particularly interesting if the Spurs fall to the seven and they have to go against the Nuggets because then you have the clash of like the veterans who know what they're doing, uh, the, that crisp machine-like system versus a team still trying to kind of figure out who it is, like pretty much relying on Jokic to be everything that they need him to be. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that kind of all pans out here. Have we done the Thunder? No. Nope. Give me the Thunder. Another revenge team. Another nobody believes in this team. Uh, Beat the Warriors in the first round. Come on, Russ. <laughs> this is your chance. He's going to leave. He's going to go to the East. You never know when you're going to get this stage again. You're presenting this like it's wow. a political campaign. This is great. <laughs> like future in that. Yeah, I think so. I'm just really fueled up. Like now we're down by 10. So, but still can happen. I'm like a big believer in, in upsets right now. Right, right. You know, you have to believe. Russ, this is your time. <laughs> Plus, he'll either lean into that or it's more likely that he will lean into the pressure by becoming just utterly out of control. <laughs> sure. Which, yeah. either way, it's, it's entertaining and I'm here for it. There's no good teams left. Um, wow. So this, is when are... get, this is when it gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take... You know what? I'm going to take the Detroit Pistons. Oh. Okay. <laughs> A little bit of a deep cut there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because Blake Griffin has been really good this season. And I don't think he's getting enough um, love. And I think that they're going to end up, you know, hopefully, I'm hoping they end up in the seventh seed and we get a Pistons-Raptors matchup. And that'll be fun. Like, just, you know, Dwayne Casey going up against his former team. Uh, there, You know, you have Blake, but you also have Drummond sort of coming on as of late and, and, and you know, 
grabbing like what 25 rebounds a night it seems like <laughs> is Drummond fun for you to watch Here's the thing. It's not about him as an individual. It's about the collective. Whole. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you really are like leaning to this assistant coach thing. No, but I, <laughs> <laughs> just alter ego on the box. It's not about the name on the backs. It's about the name <laughs> on the front. <laughs> exactly. Now, this is not a it's great. It's March. Like, <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to go off the board here. I didn't want to pick the Celtics. So I'm picking the Pistons because I don't know. They're just. I like I like the thought of them giving the Raptors or, or even Sixers some trouble, even yeah. though it's probably not going to happen. All right. I'm going to go with the Celtics because they have interesting players, uh, unlike, <laughs> unlike the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> I hate on Luke Kennard like that. <laughs> uh, I just think, like again, this is a, just like the Thunder almost, where there's a possibility that they get upset in the first round and or they just blow up in the first round and all yeah. of a sudden we're, 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 we're talking about them on the blogs. <laughs> incessantly sure. uh, but also I mean there's also a possibility that they figure it out that Kyrie just kind of goes off and all of a sudden they're in the Eastern Conference Finals again so yeah um, alright let's just do one more round Jazz give me the Jazz give me Donnie Justin Mitch didn't pick them I know Ups- I, another <laughs> upset <laughs> my guys um, okay you just you just like Rudy Gobert you just want to see some blocks I mean they've hit their stride I don't think a lot of people realize it a lot of non- Hardcore, hardcore NBA fans. Yeah, right, right. I mean, Mitchell is an interesting. Who doesn't want to see a player like Donovan Mitchell in playoffs series either? Yeah, especially now that they're leaning into uh, uh, kind of this like non point guard set where they have Joe Ingles sometimes handling the ball or also who doesn't want to see Joe Ingles? Like that guy gets aggressive, and it's fun, and he throws people off his their games. Yeah, I I actually think the next few games for the Jazz are going to be really interesting because. All of their statistics suggest that they're a sleeping giant. We've talked about this in the past. Dan Devine wrote about it on TheRinger.com. I kind of want to see them put it together for a few more games in this regular season for me to fully believe in them. They're 7-3 and three, uh, over their past 10 right now, but I still want to see a little bit more here. I think tonight's game uh, is an interesting one because I always love the Hawks, and the Jazz are in Atlanta tonight. That's a 4 p.m., uh, 4.30 p.m. Pacific game. Uh, I would pick the Hawks first in every watchability ranking uh, if I could, just because, like, I don't know, they, they just have everything I, I could ever ask for in a team. My except, one true love. Like, wins. Exactly. <laughs> except for when, although lately, they're too good to tank. Yeah, they are. So that game's at uh, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. We're going to call that our watch of the night. We do Love that it. once a week here, guys, because we like basketball. If you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable or satellite provider. All right, Paul, let's let's round it out here. Give me the heat. Okay. Give me Wade, uh, it's final hurrah. And just Eric Spolstra, you know, matching up his team against better teams and finding out a way to sort of squeak out a win here and there. Yeah, they have a lot of parts. And so it's interesting to see how they're going to deploy them. It's like, it's pretty much game to game how, how they throw those guys out there. Uh, last pick here. I'm going to go with the Pacers. Wow, I forgot about the Pacers. Yeah. yeah. Nobody believes in them. Nobody does believe in them, yeah. The post-Victor Oladipo team somehow still in the mix here for this four seed. Uh, they're one game up on the Celtics. It, all signs point to them playing in that first-round series. Uh, I More likely than not, they're the type of team that if they weren't playing the Celtics, they'd be in that NBA TV series. Yes. Uh, but... I don't know. I think there's something to them. If they if they do well early on, if Boyan Bogdanovich pops again like he did last yeah. year, you need a big like Miles Turner series for sure. Yeah, it would be nice if Miles Turner's played up to his potential on yeah. the offensive end. He's been a monster defensively, but 
Big Boyan. I'm into it. Let's give, do it. Give me the give me the double Bs. Um, all right, that's it for today. Uh, before Haley kind of seven point spontaneously combusts here seven in her point chair. Wait, you notice how we didn't pick the Spurs? Oh, we didn't. Did Bobby, we? you want them? Bob, that's Bobby's team right there. I love long twos. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> fadeaways from Demar Derozan. Uh, yeah, I, I mean that feels appropriate. You know, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be watching Derek, Derek White except for Bobby. Um, so enjoy that one. All right. Uh, so we're going to get out of here for this week. Uh, pray for Haley. Pray for the Louisville Cardinals. It's not looking good. No, it's not looking good. Um, otherwise, we will be back next week. Until then. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.